0: Hi everyone and welcome to the July edition of the distillerytours.scot podcast, giving you that wee bit of extra insight into Scotland's whisky distilleries. My name's is Nicky Simpson and in this episode I spoke to Ricky Scott, Visitor Centre Supervisor at the Abalure Distillery. Ricky talks to us about avoiding the power of suggestion at a tasting, connecting people to a whisky through their own experience and the memories it brings back for them. From the smell of your mother's hairspray to the look on your father's face as he came home from work, different whiskies evoke something different for everyone. If you'd like to find out more about the Abelure Distillery and its whisky, check out distillerytours.scott and click on the book now button on the Aberlour listing. We hope you enjoy it. Uh, so today I'm here with Ricky Scott, uh, Visitor Centre Supervisor at the Abelure Distillery. Hi Ricky. Hi,
1: how are you doing?
0: I'm good, thanks. How are you? What, what, yeah. what day is it? We're on Thursday today, aren't we? Almost yeah. the end of the week, or is this the beginning of your week?
1: No, this is Wednesday.
0: No, it's Wednesday. Wednesday.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, Wednesday's my Monday, because we're open Wednesday to Sunday just now, so yeah, it's Wednesday, Nicky, and uh, we're all good. Uh, yeah, we're staying watching the Scotland game last night, so we wee bit of a late one, but yeah, we're here today. <laughs> Lovely. Have, you made
0: it in. That's, that's a step made in Made it in.
1: Yeah, yeah all good. All good. Well
0: done, well done.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, so uh, thanks for coming to speak to us today. Um, tell me, tell me a bit about yourself and your career before Abelur and at Abelur.
1: All right, okay. Um, Ricky Scott, young age of forty-five. Um, I started my tourism and hospitality career way back when I was seventeen. Um, started working at Baxter's as a as a summer tour guide, taking folk around the park to show them how we made the made the soup. Um, Carried on working at Baxter's, thoroughly enjoyed it, then decided to go to university and get a degree in tourism and hospitality management, which was very interesting, very enjoyable and also gave me an opportunity to go on a placement, which I ended up going to a small island off the east coast of America called Martha's Vineyard, eh, quite famous for where Jaws was from, eh, which was very interesting, got a chance to work in the hotel there and learn a little bit more about the hospitality side, probably always knew I was going to come back to Speyside and, and, and back to where I grew up and started working for a company called Bellhaven who run a, uh, opened a new pub and nightclub in, in Elgin called The Foundry. So I was there from when it opened uh, for about two and a half years and uh, which is I would say um character, character building. Yeah. It was a <laughs> it was a it was a challenge. But yeah, um good or bad experiences are all always a always an experience that you that you learn from. Um, and then I progressed into whiskey tourism. Um lived at Tandu Distillery for uh, about six years, so got an opportunity to work at Cardu Distillery. Um it was there with a lot of a sharp for about six years and then got an opportunity to help you know, to come up to work at Abelewa as a supervisor and uh, jumped at the chance, applied and was was uh, seven years later I'm still here. (laughs) So, yeah, all good. Uh,
0: And Did you say that you lived at at the Cardew Distillery? I
1: lived at Tamdu. So lived Tamdu? Yeah, Tamdu was about about two miles from Cardew. Um, So, yeah, it was owned by Edrington um, before it was sold to Game McLeod Distillers. So, my wife works at Macarland, so they had a company house there. So, I moved there for about six years. Uh, We built our our own house, so yeah, nice. Was, was that? Was farm.
0: it? Was it nice living on the? Was it actually on the
1: grounds of the distillery? On the grounds, yeah, overlooking the the Maltex, this is no longer there, but yeah, overlooking um, and Distillery. So it's nice to see Tamdu um doing well and producing some fine malt whisky. Uh, it's nice to see.
0: And so you applied for the job at uh, at Abalure then. Um, and what's it like? What's it like working in the heart of Speyside?
1: Brilliant, brilliant, yeah. It's uh, it was just a natural progression for me to go um, from Carlowing to kind of step up a level and, and join the team at Aberlour. Um, yeah, Aberlour's location is is brilliant. The distillery is lovely. And, you know, some people use the word quaint, and uh, it's just a it's just a popular, popular a local a local drama as well. You know I mean? The ten year old is pound for a pound probably one of the best whiskies in the world, and it's. It's known locally as, as being the drum, the go to drum. It's one of those where the cork just kinda doesn't of, get like put back in the bottle type thing. So <laughs> um yeah, the heart of Space Side, is home and it's yeah, it's always going to be probably. Um uh, it's one of the most beautiful places in the world and one of the best places to work. I think having having worked and lived in different parts of, of Scotland and and abroad, this is certainly home for me, Space definitely.
0: You said that the distillery is quite quaint, or that people call it quaint. Um, yeah. For for people who haven't visited before, can you tell us what you mean? What does
1: it? What does that look like? Yeah, it's just that's just that we're in the process of just started a demolition because we're doing a, a five year expansion of our distillery. So we're we're currently producing four million liters a year. It's uh, it's going to be going to eight million after about four or five years, hopefully, and uh, that will start. But yeah, it's it's one entrance, there's one way in, one way out. Um it's just got a nice small shop, a nice taste area. Um I think everybody just makes it quite a relaxed um quaint wee distillery to come and look around. Um Yeah, it's, it's just it's simple, it's honest is probably the best word I would use to describe our lover. Um the staff and the and the place, it's just it's just an honest distillery set in the heart of Speyside I would say. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, So what do you do differently at the distillery? What What do you think sets the distillery apart?
1: I think for me, yeah, Speyside has just got so much variety on offer. You've got um, different distilleries here. You've got Macallan, the first underground distillery. You've got Glenlivet, the, the kind of first one recognised. You've got Strathila, the oldest working distillery. You've got Cardew, just gone through a major refurbishment and. I think for me Speyside needs to be seen as our city so you're all in competition but you're all you're all supporting each other to try and bring people to Speyside and just let them enjoy what we have to offer in Speyside whether it's the cooperage, whether it's having a cup of coffee at Glen Grant and looking around the gardens going for a round of golf going hill walking anything we can do to try and help that is going to be beneficial and for me Trying to do some things a little bit differently to other other visitor centres is always a good thing and what we do here is one of our tastings is served in black nose and glasses so we don't the, the, the visitors don't even see the colour um, and we don't really tell them much about the product before they taste it and a big thing for me is I'm not saying there's anything wrong with tasting notes but I almost I want people to give me their honest answer of what they're what they're thinking about the product rather than agreeing with what Ricky said. I want them to give me their opinion and the power of suggestion is always there if you give them the taste and notes prior to them tasting it. So when they sit down with their four glasses, they don't say, oh, I I don't go right, number one is this and number two is this. I just say, give number one a try and let me know what you think. Have it neat, add a little bit of water, see if it changes. Does it change for the better? Does it change for the worse, and then as we progress through them, it, they can either decide whether they want the bottles revealed one after the other, uh, after their tasting, or just at the end. And I think for me, it just sparks a, a bit of a converse, conversation between the people that are doing the tasting. It's not for me to tell them what they should be getting from the whisky, so if if we can do just things just a little bit different, maybe from some other people. Um, it, it just makes it more enjoyable if they're going to other places and they get something a wee bit different there. It's just to give them a bit of, hopefully, a bit of variety if they're going to visit four or five different visitor centres in the area. You know what I mean? So it's, it's yeah. just to do things a wee bit differently.
0: It's a very personal experience, isn't it? And I, I think, um I I wonder if this kind of, um you know, tasting notes mentality is maybe on the way out because I've, I've spoken to a few people who have said, you know, I've been on a couple yeah. of tours as well, where people have kind of said, you know, it's not what we think, it's what you think. And, you know, you can read the tasting notes if you want, but we really think, you you know, you should tell us what you think. What do you, what do you yeah. smell or taste right. or whatever, you know?
1: Yeah, totally. I mean, that's it. And, and yeah, and people have said before, when you, you kind of nose a whiskey, it can it can evoke memories with, you know, I mean, and, and things that I can't agree or disagree with. So I live in a country my sister lives in Aberdeen City, so when she's walking to work, she's she's getting different smells and aromas from walking to work through Aberdeen City Centre than I would drive a car through the country to work. So you can't really disagree with people that are saying, Oh, it reminds me of this, or it reminds me of when I used to go to my grand's house or my grand's farm when I was a kid for holidays or a Pacific boat trip you had with your, your dad or and I was doing a tasting whiskey festival about three years ago. Whereas the lady just picked up whiskey and she smelled it and she just went, oh, and I'm like, what's up? And she says, this just reminds me of when I was a kid, my mom and dad were going out for the evening. When I walked into the bedroom, all I could smell was my mom's hairspray. And she says, it doesn't smell like hairspray, but just takes me right back to that moment. And she was she was quite speechless. She was just like, I've never ever thought this would, ha- this would happen and she just she says it, honestly it took me right back to that point where I just walked into my mum and dad's bedroom and it was just that instant smell of my mum and dad out for the evening just that hairspray as I say she's not saying it smells like hairspray it just it just triggered that memory for her and that means that if she ever tries that amalala that she was smelling nosing that she connects emotionally with that product if you know what I mean it's not oh Ricky like yeah. said it should be this and we used to hand out cards for the one of the tastings and on the back of the card it had one to four for the four whiskies you were trying and at the top it didn't say tasting notes it just said your thoughts so if you nice. jot down your thoughts you put the whiskies in, then when you refer back to it, you understand it a bit more rather than, ah oh, that guy okay, I will said it should be this, this and this so it's not that I'm disagreeing with tasting notes because they're obviously there to help and guide people, but if we've got them here in person, then it, it, for me, I've had some of my most enjoyable tastings have been where I've given the visitors nothing at all. I nothing. Not even an age or a cast type or a strength or anything. And it just gives them a more honest answer of the one that they enjoy the most. The one that is, is the favorite for them rather than it's the oldest or it's the more expensive or it's in a sherry cask. Because when you've got a sherry cask sitting against a bourbon cask, side by side in glasses, If you're a big sherry cask fan, in my opinion, you kind of head towards that with your eyes and you've already made the decision that the bourbon one might taste okay, but it's never going to taste as good as the sherry one I have here. Whereas our Abelauer 13-year-old distillery exclusive bourbon and sherry, the sherry one is more popular, but the bourbon one has actually surprised quite a lot of people that were big Abelauer sherry cask fans and they've gone away with an Abelauer bourbon expression as opposed to the Sherry one. So yeah, it's it's good. It's good that when that happens and they can understand that it's not always about how it looks or what the age is or what the strength is or where it's from. It's just what you enjoy.
0: And it takes the pressure off a little bit as well. I think for people who are novice whiskey drinkers, um you know, there's this kind of pressure to go oh, well, I must like that one more because it's aged longer or it's, it's, you know, it's, as you say, like a sherry cask or something. And if you don't like it or if you, you know, if you have a stronger um, emotional pull to a different one, that can feel sometimes a little bit like you've done the wrong thing. (laughs) Yeah, it does, I
1: know, completely. And it's it's not that we're ever trying to trip anybody up because that's not what we're here to do. It's just that I had three guys from Germany that went in to do a taste in. They were numbered one, two, and three. So we just we talked through it, and we kind of we we talked about whiskey in general, and that can lead to other conversations about hobbies or interests that you have. And then they they said, yeah, we were all in agreement that the eighteen-year-old is the best one. And I'm like, well, how do you how do you know when I haven't told you what they are? And they said, well, number three. And I said, number three is not the eighteen. Number three is the twelve. But they automatically yeah. thought that one, two, three was going to be twelve, sixteen, eighteen. Yeah, In the, so would yeah be done. I would say the majority of people understand that we're we're just saying, look, guys, it's the same with people that are not big fans of blended whiskey, single malts, because they are far superior. No, no, and we've got an opportunity because we're all by Shivers Brothers. We've got an opportunity to kind of let them know that Valentine's Seventeen for me, wow, it's absolutely stunning. It's beautiful and it's just to get them to understand that without maybe the blenders back in the day creating these blended whiskies would you have the same choice of single malts today as you do? I don't know, probably not. So and if you ask quite a lot of people that you ask that do enjoy single malts if you ask them to remember where they maybe started their journey, not everybody, but quite a lot of people maybe started on a blended whisky and have progressed to what I think they feel is the more superior product whereas it's not but never forget where you started because that's the reason why you're on this journey so sometimes it's just nice to go back and have a wee try the ones that got you interested
0: definitely and I think a lot of that is around, around marketing as well isn't ah, it? I mean yeah. once upon a time single malts weren't really a big thing at all you know, yeah, and, know. and 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 yeah, you know I... now that that's changed you know mm-hmm. is it because of the nicer whiskies, or is it just because you know that's yeah. seen as the the better whiskey.
1: Well, yeah, when you look back at the old photographs of the the Rat Pack, indeed you know, Dean Martin and Frank Sinatra, they always yeah. had all bottles of blended whiskies that they had in their photo shoots and their pool tables in the bar. Um,
0: and who are we uh, to argue with yeah. them? Ricky, oh, really? definitely!
1: Like I know, I know it's Tommy <laughs> Davis Jr. Well, I don't, you just wouldn't argue with them? So yeah, it's that, it's that type of thing. And, and again, I've always said to people, we're not here to trip you up. We're not here to tell you you're doing things right or wrong. We're just here to hopefully enhance your experience and just let you in, enjoy scotch whiskey just and, uh, yeah obviously i'm a lover, that's the best by far But and, so it's obviously it's just <laughs> wanting to enjoy scotch whiskey but everything about scotch whiskey everything and, and again that's why the cooperage is brilliant that we've got it in space because like, people can go i've beat the 15 distilleries i'm like well have you beat the cooperage until you go and see what happens there you don't really understand what happens after the production because that's yeah it's a big part of it but your maturation is a major part of creating all these different expressions
0: definitely i I absolutely believe that that you know seeing every part of the production um or not just the production but you know everything that goes into it is much more fulfilling experience yeah yeah um so, uh, tell us more about the distillery, then, and its history.
1: Right, okay. Um, Avaloa distillery was um, built by a guy called James Fleming. Um, very much a kind of man of enterprise vision and compassion, is what people say about James Fleming. So, nice. he was uh, he was born on Tom Farcliffe's farm in 1850. He was the son of a tenant farmer who leased his farm from Ballindalloch Estates. And... Um, it kind of due to ill health, he was very interested in what his father did for a living, but due to kind of ill health and doctor's orders, um, he gave up the farming um, career path, but decided to kind of become a, a grain dealer because he was quite interested in what his, his father did. So, um, hard working, um, he was very steady, very ambitious uh, young man, um, expanded into milling as well, so he bought the mill of Rothery, Um so it was an industrial hub of Abelauer at the time and it basically meant that he could expand and um, he could grind his own grain uh, and also saw wood at the mill which served both purposes for him so yeah um he then decided that he kind of wanted to kind of learn his trade in the, the kind of whiskey making industry so he took out the lease and W and distillery and um, just down the road from Abelauer and um, to uh-huh. learn a bit more about that as well so um he then was, he was quite an easily respected he was kind of a respected businessman in the area um, and he was a local bank manager as well so his he kind of learnt his trade, learnt about the grain, learnt about production, learnt about the finances and then in 1879 construction started on Avalara Distillery so within a year uh, whiskey began to flow um, through Avalara Distillery um, and a journalist called Alfred Barnard um, he visited Aberlour in the 1880s as part of his comprehensive study of Scotch whisky distilleries and he described James Fleming as his new establishment, his new distillery, as a perfect modern distillery. So, mm. yeah, a ve- a, very much a man who kind of done his homework, did the groundwork, learnt the trade, learnt about barley, learnt about the grain, learnt about the finances, had already, had already acquired Mill of Roughly, which is where the distillery was built. So he had all the local water sources, the water powered the mill. So everything was here, but he just wanted to buy this time until he was just ready. And when he did it, it was it was good. So um yeah, I mean, the man himself was very much a man of the community. Um for example, he was the chairman of the school board and when gas lighting arrived in Aberloin in eighteen eighty six he paid for many of the new street lamps. Um, he drew cool. up plans for the public hall, which is called the Fleming Hall, which was built in um, 1889. Um, so that still stands today, uh, the Fleming Hall. He then um, left money. Um, the foundation, the James Fleming Foundation built the new Cottage Hospital, the Fleming Hospital, which opened in 1900 and is still operational today. And then he also left money to build a pedestrian bridge across the river Spey um, so that people could come from the other side of the river safely um, to do their business and it's known as the penny brig um, because it was a one penny toe that used to be charged on certain days for people coming over into the village. So yeah the, the Fleming family motto is basically let the deed show, um, which basically means that actions speak louder than words. So married, never had any kids but yeah we we've got kids that have grown up in Abelauer that go to the Fleming Hall for a Christmas party or a birthday party and they go to the Fleming Hospital but you just try and make the connection with them and um, that it was because of the guy James Fleming that built Aberlour Distillery so yeah that's, that's a really wee bit cool. of history yeah that's a wee bit of history um, about you.
0: Yeah you mentioned earlier that um, the Strathisla Distillery was the oldest working distillery is that right?
1: Yeah that's right yeah that's right. Um,
0: you know, I I guess at some point you know there must have been you know, not much else in Space or or not much full stop in SpaceIde before the the distilleries started to grow up. So that's just lovely that he yeah. really invested in the community as well. Aye, that's really definitely.
1: cool. Um, and again with I think Chris Brusso, who works over on our archives, he's been working with a guy very closely for the last couple of years, um, to try and find out as much information as possible about James Fleming and the family um, i think they found out that the two houses beside the hospital which are quite substantial houses i think one was built for his wife and one was built for his sister um. so yeah very much yeah a, 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 a very much a man of the community but it was just the way that he went about setting up he, did, he didn't take the he didn't take the the news of not being able to be a farmer as well what else am i, I going to do now there's nothing else you, i can do he he took it on and Went and became a grain dealer and really spent time to learn his trade. So when he was ready to build his own distillery, it was it was the right one. It was the perfect modern distillery. Um, awesome. So yeah. And what
0: a legacy as well. It's
1: really yeah, cool. Exactly. Exactly.
0: What's the story with the with the guy? You you mentioned something about a story with the guy with the bagpipes. Yeah. Uh, was that uh, him?
1: Uh, no, it wasn't him. Um there's a guy called Ian Mitchell who was the distillery manager. Um he was employed at Aberlour. Like his grandfather, father, and brother at the distillery, um, but <laughs> he would quite regularly um go into the warehouses and plays bagpipes inside the warehouses, um. So his belief was that the sound waves influenced the maturation of the amber liver, liquid gold. So yeah, whether it whether it worked or not, who knows? But you can't prove him right or wrong. But yeah, an amazing, amazing man. Um, and he also. When he kind of, something's did taste, in, so he would lift the glass to his ear instead of to his nose. So a lot of people were like, ah, Ian, eh, what are you doing? He says, ah, he says, I can hear the angels sing. <laughs> and that was just kind of him. So yeah, the, the bagpipes in the warehouse, you never know. it's there yeah, was a beautiful, beautiful drama. And maybe it was the influence of the bagpipes that, that helped it.
0: That's really. Uh, I mean, I I know that that's just a funny story, but then I wonder if there's something in that. Yeah, I mean, yeah,
1: you, never you never know.
0: Um. So, what's your favourite Aberlour malt then, and why? I know you don't like giving tasting notes, but maybe you could tell us what it reminds you of. What What is it? You mentioned what was it the um, Ballantine's bottle? Really? Oh,
1: yeah, Ballantine's Seventeen. So that's your blended, That's the Shivers Brothers blended Ball and things But I would probably say Aberlour. And Abelauer 16 is a very, very, very enjoyable drum. I'd probably say, it's, is it my favourite? I don't think so. It's probably, yeah. It's probably it's probably my favourite because it's got a beautiful balance because Abelauer's double cask matured, so we use Abelauer matured in ex-American bourbon, avalour that's matured in ex-European cherry casks, and then we marry them together. But I think the 16-year-old is just a beautiful, beautiful balance of both types of casks. But I would say Abalower Ten is probably my favourite Abalower. Um, I think it's just it, it's just an amazing drum. Kind of. The thing is, I also say to people, it's, it's also it's what you enjoy, it's what you can afford, it's what you think is value for money. And for me, pound for pound, Abalower Ten year old is the best single malt on the market. And again what just, was
0: what what did it evoke when you first tasted it? do you remember?
1: I think it just reminded my dad was a local doctor in a village called Fok was he was a GP so it was probably my first awareness of kind of whiskey is when he used to come home from an evening surgery, have something to eat, pour a very large bottle ten year old and take his newspaper and disappear and that's kind of what I thought my that's how you that's what I thought that's was whiskey I mean it's quite a, a, a large tra <laughs> board. But then at the weekend, he would then have a little 10 if he was off socialising with his friends, and he'd probably pour a slightly smaller one and add a splash of water. So I'm like, oh, it's, just, it's kind of the same product, but he's drinking it differently. And again, you're in a different situation, you're in a different frame of mind. Have you just had one of those days at work where you just want to go home, sit down and have a, it's just a. Nice whiskey, but probably quite a large one. I don't know, but yeah, it was it was one of those things where the same whiskey can be drunk differently on two different occasions, and I think it was just yeah, you you used to
0: and feeding it back to family, I guess Is yeah that kind I, of I, you're I, always I, going to be thinking about your dad when you drink it, aren't you? yeah, and you, I, won't to, you won't be able to won't be able to avoid that. You, I mean, why would you? But you exactly,
1: know. and you probably it used to smell the glass, and again, a young person probably the smell in the nose was better the day after. In the glass, and it just started to kind of, yeah. You just, you can always smelt it, but I would probably say the ten-year-old was my first real kind of introduction to kind of abalor when I was younger. My dad used to drink it. The ten-year-old, very nice.
0: But it's true that—is uh, it true that um, not everybody enjoys abalor?
1: Well, yeah, we've, we've had a few different stories of abalor. It's not going to be everybody's favourite whisky or first choice. But I remember the the mail, the post, they came in one day. And uh, there was an envelope with my name on it um, and it was just a, a normal A4 envelope, not padded, no no bubble wrap around it or anything, just an A4 envelope. And inside it was a bottle of Abelauer 12-year-old. Well, I say a bottle, I'd probably say about a quarter left in the bottle. And this came all the way from Germany, no packaging, no bubble wrap, nothing, with a note to say that they didn't think the Abelauer tasted very nice. And um, I'm thinking to oh, myself, well you have kinda given it a good try, haven't you? And there's about well, there's about a quarter of the bottle left. So yeah, we didn't I think we responded to say thank you for your comments. But other than that, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really know what you've got to say other than you gave it a good try. I think he was looking for a free bottle, but it was amazing that when we ship something, even within the UK, you're always worried it's gonna get there in one piece and this guy just stuck it in an envelope, put in a note and sent it. And that was it. So I'm maybe,
0: maybe it was a full bottle when he sent maybe it back. it was. The had <laughs> a shot, huh? Maybe,
1: uh. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, you you get some weird and wonderfuls coming through the mail, but yeah, they they certainly didn't like the taste. But I'm giving that a good try.
0: Well, good on uh, him. Yep. Poor 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 man. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um finally then, we always ask our guests uh, what advice would you give to someone who would like to know more about whiskey? This is for just people who are just starting out drinking it or who you might feel a bit scared but a bit curious about it.
1: Don't feel under pressure to get what it says in the back of the box or the back of the bottle. That's tasting notes and it's just a bit of a guide. Don't don't feel under too much pressure and don't give up. Just uh, go and, go and, come and visit Abelauer uh, come and visit Speyside find out what there is, and I would say for anybody, for me, wanting to kind of start out in the whisky journey is probably the best the best place to visit, and by that I mean that it's got such a variety of different whiskies, but it's not, i going to knock your socks off, and I'm not, your West Coast whiskies are beautiful, but sometimes people don't like whisky because they've maybe started something that's a bit too smoky or PT and there are some people start in there and they fall in love with them, but sometimes people are like, oh, I've tried one, and I know I don't like the kind of smokiness, but for me, they pack a bigger punch than some of the space-eyed ones, so if you it's kind of for my, I kind of describe it, and you wouldn't, if you wanted to take up boxing, you wouldn't go and step in the round with Mike Tyson in your first fight, you know what I mean? You get, <laughs> do you know what I mean? You would get knocked, so you've got to kind of Learn that learn about it, appreciate it. Build your confidence. Start in space side, then maybe head up to the highlands, go up to, Yeah, you've got Glen Monge, you've got you've got Glenord, you've got old Putney, you've got then you've got Orskapa and just build up a bit of confidence. So when you're ready to kinda take that leap over to the west coast and over to Island, just that beautiful whiskies over there, you're kinda ready for them. If you know what I mean, and, and that's that's yeah. where I would kinda go, but don't give up. Don't get disheartened, you're not gonna like every whiskey you try, but always try the meat, then add a little bit of water. Because when you're trying a whiskey for the first time, you're introducing yourself, you've just met it for the first time. So just give it a chance and give it a try and just gently introduce yourself to the whiskey and see where you go from there. But don't be scared, but keep it simple. It's made with three ingredients. It's not been it wasn't made to be complicated. It's about enjoying it and and creating your own memories.
0: Yeah. and i think going back as well to what you were saying earlier about think about what it means to you not yeah. not what it means to the people who've written the bottle and not what it means well, that, to the person yeah, you're drinking with exactly. but what does it evoke for you
1: yeah and there's my wife's cousin didn't drink whiskey from london no i don't drink whiskey my wife and i both work in whiskey no i don't know i know so we introduced her to a whiskey mark which was just yeah whiskey ginger stones green ginger wine and some ice and she loved it so she's now technically a whiskey drinker but not in the sense that people sometimes think you should be classed as a whiskey drinker. So it's 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 you can almost introduce people to whiskies by going down the line of make it fun, make it refreshing, make it uh, as cocktails. Any cocktails you like, they may have whiskey in them, but you you don't think they do because you think it should be drunk in a certain way, in a certain glass, at a certain time. No, you just enjoy it. And just yeah, everybody does things maybe a wee bit differently, but do does things wrong. Um, it's just different, and that's the most important thing to remember. Um, we're all here to kind of help and support each other, and uh, it's a it's a nice place to come and visit. Space is there's no better place to live, really. There's no better place to live and work, and uh, it's full of honest, hard working people. And all these distilleries we've got here are, are honest, and it's about coming to meet the people and see what see, see what the crack is on a day to day basis.
0: If you've enjoyed hearing from Ricky and would like to visit Abolure, we're delighted to say they run three different tastings at the distillery. Find out more at distillerytours.scot and click on the Book Now button on the Abolure listing to reserve your place. distillerytours.scot has every Whiskey Distillery Visitor Centre in one place. If you'd like to hear more from us, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram or sign up for our Distillery and Whiskey News monthly email to hear the podcast first at distillerytours.scot forward slash sign up. Next month we'll be speaking to Lauren Mustard, Dufftown Distilleries and VIP Ambassador at William Grant & Sons. We look forward to seeing you then.